These sound bites are brought to you by 365daysofnutrition.com. Yet again, in COVID times, we are beleaguered by podcast gremlins. So editing the Dalek out of this week's podcast was a great challenge. We used to sit around a kitchen table and have, enjoy a cup of tea and a chat, and I can't wait to get back to those times. That aside, it is always so interesting talking to Victoria Mann. She's knowledgeable and sensible, and as a qualified dietitian, offers great solutions to better nutrition. We covered today setting plans and goals for your nutrition and how we can make that easier for ourselves and make more sense of it all. Uh, welcome for the second time, Victoria Mann from Oakman. Finish the last bit off for me. <laughs> Oakman Nutrition and Fitness. That's exactly right. You have to get that bit wrong. <laughs> um, so, Victoria, it's just fantastic to have you back. And uh, last time we spoke, I think we were right at the beginning of the COVID situation. So we've all been through, are going still through that. Um, yeah. But I wanted to have you back today because um, during the 365 nutrition, the, the messages that people get every day, um, we did a whole week on planning. Um, I gave people uh, planners and uh, water uh, planner and uh, working out your nutrition. So we were eating better across the board. Um, there was a whole load of different things in there for the week. And I thought it'd be really fantastic to have you back to talk about how to plan and why mm-hmm. it's important uh, to pa- plan your nutrition. Because um, I've had a shopping list since I was in my 20s. I've always done it and planned my meals out. But do I plan my nutrition? I wouldn't say I give it too much thought. I just plan things that I know I'm going to enjoy. Uh, so I just wondered if you could fill in the gaps for us and you know, perhaps we can get better at doing that for ourselves. Yeah, definitely. So planning um, has a massive impact on how likely we are to um, meet our goals. Um, so it's thinking about um, what are your short, medium and long term goals? So what is it overall that you're trying to achieve? Um, and then breaking that back down and thinking, you know, if I was to say to you in a month's time, um, have you met your goals? What would that look like to you? And what would you what would you want to be able to tell me that you've done? And then a kind of midpoint. So, you know, in three, six months time. And then it's thinking about breaking that back down. And then your plan for your week, does that plan meet and contribute to these short, medium and long term goals? So it might be something, you know, before we've talked about increasing the variety of fruits and vegetables you're having, that might be one of your short term goals. So then in your planning for that week, it's looking across your shopping list, across your meal plans and thinking, have I managed to fit those in each day? So is what I'm buying this week in my food shop and and what I'm doing on my online shop, which is what quite a lot of people are doing at the moment, um, is that going to be contributing or have I um, kind of just missed missed my goals for this week and then re-planning around that? As you say, a lot of us just kind of uh, order food and, and plan based on what we like to eat, what's easy for the family, what time we've got, what's going to make everyone happy. Um, but it's just taking that time and thinking, am I meeting my um, nutritional goals for the different food groups and for my specific goals at the moment as well? Yeah. Well, um, I think um, certainly since I've 
been doing 365 for everybody, and I've heard this back from a lot of my customers as well. I wouldn't say that I've made a massive big change. Mm. I've made gradual changes, but actually that's what 365 Days of Nutrition is. It's gradual changes and learning. So if I look at my shopping list now, when I'm making it, I do make sure that I'm putting a different variety of veggie because we make... I mean, we're big broccoli heads in our house. My son, <laughs> from the age of three, it's the only way I could get him in from playing outside. But I've <laughs> got a big plate of blo- broccoli ready for him. Um, so, you know, but there is more veg than just broccoli. So it's good to kind of give yourself a heads up and just look at what vegetables you're, you're ordering in. My daughter's vegetarian. So mm-hmm. I, I tend to look at a really broad range now, whereas I don't think we probably did before. So it's just making incremental changes and knowing that you're aware and getting a bit more conscious of what you're shopping and how you're working things out. Definitely. And looking across the food groups as well. So um, have you got your proteins in there? Have you got a variety of different proteins? Have you got some uh, sources of omega-3, some oily fish in there? Um, have you got the wide variety of fruits and vegetables, different whole grains? So have you got something from each of those food groups? Because um, it's very easy as well to come towards the end of the week and look in the fridge and you've got, um, I don't know, chicken, but nothing to go with the chicken. And yeah. it's kind of um, particularly towards the end of the week, that t- tends to be the case. So it's making sure that each of your meals, you've met those major food groups and that will look after the macronutrients. And if you've done... Um, if you've got appropriate portion sizes of each of those main food groups, the micronutrients will start to kind of look after themselves. Yeah. Um, and as long as you're getting the variety in over the week as well, and you know you're, you've not got um, you know chicken for most of the week, um, making sure that you're getting some plant-based sources of protein, particularly if you've got someone who's vegetarian or vegan in the house, um, it's making sure that the substitutes that you're you're putting in. Are appropriate and containing the right range of nutrients as well yeah so i think on this uh, shopping list situation that um that, that we sent out um i think it was week 34 i did that um it's useful to kind of break down and uh, maybe into quarters the page and make sure mm. you've got each category taken care of weirdly i think the carbs tend to take care of themselves <laughs> Yeah, that is the case for a lot of people. Um, um, But equally, making sure that you're getting a range of different carbohydrates in. um, And, you know, there's so many different grains available now. Um, You can be using things like lentils and um, beans and things that are going to be a protein source as well as a carbohydrate source. Um, So it's not just sticking to kind of pasta, bread, rice um, and potatoes that quite often we get into a routine of having. It's trying to um get a bit of variety in there as well and the different types of grains contain a different um different amounts of of the micronutrients so mixing that up um can be really beneficial as well in terms of the fibers that we're getting um as well as different proteins as well yeah and i think uh, one of the things that we we cover in 365 is batch cooking mm-hmm. um and so what when you're talking about the end of the week you know if you've done a, a really good healthy um set of batch cooking some weeks previously you should always have something yeah. nutritious in your freezer really that you can fall back on definitely uh, i think you know we tend to get tired towards the end of the week if it's been a busy work week some and... days are enough aren't they you, you know, exactly is enough is enough and the thinking about your nutrition sometimes is um parked and in actual yeah. fact it's at that point that you really need it isn't it definitely yeah it's those days that we're feeling run down and tired or stressed 
and that's the days that it's really easy to kind of throw the towel in and say you know let's just order a takeaway yes or, yeah um get something out of the freezer that's not particularly healthy but actually as you say if you've got those healthy meals already batch cooked and prepared that's actually becomes the easiest option um and then it's it's providing you with much better nutrition and actually will help your recovery and help pick you back up rather than make you feel worse, worse. the next yeah, day because <laughs> i've got to say um you know as a youngster i used to love the odd takeaway from time to time but actually i can't stand them now mm. um, and i find it ever increasingly important to have a really good backup in the freezer I, I've, my daughter's the one that keeps me on track she's very, mm. she's um um a dancer and she's very mindful of how she eats and yeah um she's got everything sorted out and of course with doing 365 she's really enjoyed listening and learning from that and so uh, she kind of keeps me guided Uh, but if you've not got somebody like that in the house it can be tricky to work it out for yourself yeah and in terms of making progress that's um one of the really important things well it's um the views of the people around you um so we we know that if you've got um if your family for example aren't particularly supportive of the change or they they aren't ready themselves to make changes um, often people um, often unintentionally can sort of sabotage your efforts yeah. and um, you know you come home you're tired and they go oh no it's fine we'll order a pizza and you go oh well really we probably shouldn't and they go no 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 we'll do it and before you know it you're sat down having it and it's not really what you wanted no, or needed yeah, yeah. And then um, dis- well it's a double-edged sword that isn't it because you're not only getting the nutrient not getting the nutrients you need Mm-hmm. Um, but you're also mentally feeling battered about it and that's exactly. a shame isn't it yeah so if you've got people in the household that are on board um, and you can have those discussions and everybody's engaged with it it just makes the whole process so much smoother and easier if everyone's of the same mindset of you know we want to eat well we want to make good choices um, and yes have treats and and have things that you enjoy but not things that you're going to sit there and think afterwards you know I don't know why I did that actually I feel really rubbish yeah um and, and that supportive environment is so important. I think it's worth mentioning here as well. Um, you know, I'm talking about my family quite a lot today, where I normally never do, but they're a, <laughs> it's a good example because you get so many different varieties and versions and choices and options from each person. Uh, but when my daughter wanted to go vegetarian, um, I just find it a step too far because I was obviously catering to a big meat-eating son as well. Yeah. Um, but we worked out that if we edged towards it and we had so there we go we did plan and we did have some goals we kind of looked to get into an 80 20 situation Mm -hmm. and then she could go 100 and that was partly for me adapting because you have as a mother got to take care of the whole family yeah not everybody's on board with your decisions so um you know I can I, I now cook really great meals where I can adapt or I can make a vegetarian version and pop some meat in for my son all the other way around but to make the change all at once can sometimes just be a little bit overwhelming when you've got everybody to think of. So Definitely. doing it in stages is a great way to achieve it, I think. Absolutely. And particularly with something like going vegetarian, it, it does take some planning because um, people often think of uh, vegetarian and vegan diets as being, you know, healthy and, um, you know, and have a lot of connotations alongside it that um, are very positive. But often if you make that decision very quickly and just take meat out and don't substitute it with the appropriate things. You're, you left, can, aren't you? You're left dangling, yeah. really, yeah. Yeah, you can be left with a very unhealthy and very carbohydrate-predominant diet and become deficient in a whole range of different micronutrients. So actually taking it a bit more steadily and 
taking that time to think about well okay this meal isn't going to have mint uh, beef mince in it but what are we going to replace it with are we going to replace it with beans or are we going to replace it with soya or yeah um and allowing yourself that time to kind of think through the process rather than overnight saying okay well yesterday we would have had um a spaghetti bolognese with beef mince and oh crikey what are we going to have today um and you know historically quite often we've seen um not so much these days because much more choice available um but we saw people going vegetarian and instead of having um, a bolognese for example they were just having pasta and tomato sauce yeah which um, you shot and a, and a lot of things there yeah exactly yeah. um whereas you know now luckily we do have a lot more um availability and choice in the supermarkets um yeah. but if you haven't taken that time to think about what am i actually going to substitute this with um and is everyone else in the household as you say going to be happy with having a um you know soya based or bean based dish instead um it can be quite a tricky transition <laughs> it can so um, I can understand quite clearly what the additional benefits are for planning. Um, but it, um, I understand we've all got very different members in the household that we're, you know, catering to, really. Uh, but how do we come overcome habits and hurdles that we've created for ourselves, let alone the fact it's quite a complex situation when you're trying to change your food? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's why I did 365. It's just a small step every single day rather than, you know, sometimes it's overwhelming. Um, mm. But, you know, over the years, you can slap, um, I call it cladding on yourself, you know, that your own beliefs that you've chosen to take on. Yeah. And there it sits, you know. And so, um, like, you know, people, some people absolutely say the chocolate, I love chocolate, I love chocolate. But do they really, you know? Yeah. Um, so how do you kind of overcome those kind of hurdles? Yeah, so I think it's... Um as we said right at the start, always having a clear goal in mind because if you're trying to make changes um, and those changes are difficult, if you haven't got some sort of outcome that you want to achieve from it, it starts to lose a bit of meaning. So it's got to be something that you see as worth the effort. So change is difficult. Um, Any change in our life will always challenge us. Um, And making changes to our food habits when it might have been something we've done for years and years and years can be really difficult. So we've got to have some sort of meaning behind it. There's got to be some purpose for doing it. And that purpose has got to be um, strong enough to outweigh the difficulty that it's going to cause us. Um, So it's It's going to bring us more pleasure than pain. That's what we're after, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's got to be be worth the effort that you're putting in. Um, so it's keeping your goals in mind and thinking when it's, you know, challenging times, thinking, why am I doing this? What is it that I'm trying to get out of it? And keeping um, keeping that end goal in sight. And for that reason, it's really important to break your goals down so that you've got some short term goals so that you're achieving things. Um, because we're all very good at saying, you know, oh, OK, well, I want to lose two stone. Um, and actually, that's really, really far away. And when you haven't lost two stone, that can be quite disheartening. But if you say, well, actually, you know, like you've been doing with the um, the daily updates, you know, this week I want to achieve um, a much smaller goal and you achieve that, you get that um, boost from it. And that kind of keeps you going, keeps you ticking over um, and it stops the kind of overwhelming scenario where you're trying to get to that sort of end goal. Um and then it's thinking about kind of techniques that we put in place every day. So as you say, things like, um, you know, or I'm a, bit, I'm a chocoholic. I'm, you know, can't can't do without my chocolate bar in the evening. It's thinking about sort of 
more the rationale of why why do you feel that you need that what is it giving you is it that it gives you a bit of comfort is it that it's um kind of your downtime at the end of the day and and quite often people say that you know I get home from work and I have a glass of wine and that kind of signals to me that that's the end of the work day um and I can relax whereas you know what behaviors could you replace that with that were more helpful um could you say well I finish my work day and I go for a walk or I have a bath or I you know read a book for half an hour um and thinking about what are those food behaviors providing emotionally for you and how could we replace those um because quite often our food choices are tied up in a lot of emotion and yeah. it's not just that you really like chocolate <laughs> it's no. that that chocolate means something else to you yeah and there's a it's a habit and a belief you've stuck on yourself isn't it exactly yeah, yeah. and you, you've kind of labeled that and the more you label yourself as that the more ingrained that becomes in your mindset and well, it's, well and sometimes I, I don't think you know we I'm saying people but I'm, I'm just as guilty of it I, you don't always know that you're doing it you don't it's, no you're not thinking consciously are you Definitely. And that's where food diaries are really, really helpful yes, because, yeah. um, you know, even if we think we're on track, sometimes just taking stock of things and doing a food diary for a few days, you think, oh, crikey, I hadn't realised I'd started doing that again. Yes, or yeah. these little bits had crept in. And just the process of making yourself do a food diary can be really, really beneficial. You go, oh, gosh, every evening at eight o'clock, I'm, you know, my head's in the fridge and I'm trying to find something to have and really do I need to be eating something at eight o'clock when I only have my dinner at half yeah. past six um so it's yeah that doing a food diary can be really useful to take stock again yeah and reassess the situation it's utterly tedious but so <laughs> so enlightening definitely and I think you know don't be um don't be thinking that you've got to do it for you know even a whole week even just a couple of days yeah is usually enough shine just a light to... on some pockets of bad behavior or stuff that you're yeah. doing that you didn't know about exactly and as you say we do things um through habit a lot of the time um and quite often people get stuck and think gosh I'm doing I feel like I'm doing all the right things and why am I not getting to where I want to be um and it can be really frustrating and it's not that they're lying to themselves it's not that they're you know lying to health professionals when you see a dietitian um or you speak to your gp it's that you genuinely don't realize that you're doing these things um and i think that's a really big thing if you don't know you're doing them it's hard to know how to to stop them isn't it exactly Uh, so Victoria, we've been chatting about chocolate. So let's just pick up on that. Um, you know, uh, in- including goal planning and the chocolate situation. If you were tackling sugar and you wanted mm-hmm. to get rid of it, how would you goal plan that? You know, if we just link that back to the first question about how we tackle um, a-, a goal planning situation around eradicating sugar out of our lives or at least putting yeah. it down. Yeah. So... Um sugar is one of those things that we develop a preference for so um the more sugar we have in our diet the more we want it um the less we have it the less um of a sweet preference we have and quite often we find um particularly for example if people have always had um sugar in their tea if you can gradually cut that down um actually over time if you then give them the amount of sugar that they used to have in their tea it tastes far far too sweet yeah um, so sugar is one of those things that um, we do um, 
get used to and the more we have it the more we want it so in terms of goal setting what we want to do is really gradually reduce it down um i wouldn't recommend you know getting up tomorrow morning and saying right that's it i'm cutting out sugar completely um because actually what we know is that when we do things like that um and we've all tried it in the past all you can think about is that sugary thing that you really uh want to have and that completely occupies your mind and it becomes really really difficult yeah um so what i would say is that depending on get it get where you are with your starting point so that can be as you say with a food diary um it can be just going through your sort of typical day and think about how much sugar are you realistically having at the moment um i wouldn't ever say that you need to cut it out completely um but obviously it's about limiting it and limiting particularly the free sugars so your added sugars um and having you know your fruit sugars and the sugars that you find in milk are obviously much more in their natural state yeah um, and don't have thick chocolate bar and exactly yeah. <laughs> um so don't have the same sort of negative health consequences yeah. um so get your starting point and think okay well these are my main sources of free sugars and added sugars whether that's in your tea whether it's in your chocolate bar that you always have mid-afternoon or whatever it might be and then start gradually reducing it down so think you know week one I have two cups, uh, two, two cups, two spoons of sugar <laughs> in my tea. Um, so week one, I'm going to have one and a half or I'm going to try a sweetener or, um, you know, some small step to, to get you on your way and then plan it out each week until you're getting to a level that you're happy with um, so that it doesn't feel like you're completely depriving yourself um, and it gives your taste buds a chance to adjust so it never feels like, you're um you know you're making a huge step um and, and that feels too much yeah so you're um, just doing things gradually pretty much like I do with the 365 so it's just a gradual yeah, exactly. um, improvement and before you know it you've got rid of something that wasn't serving you very well exactly and I think um it's about having some balance as well so allowing yourself um treats so it's not saying you know I'm never going to eat cake again um but it's saying well you know it's someone's birthday next week so I'm going to have a small slice of cake but I'm not going to have a piece of cake every lunchtime after my lunch um so it's about getting some balance I think when we say we're going to cut something out completely often that can be um psychologically really difficult and actually it's much much more difficult than saying I'm going to have it infrequently yeah and choosing your time to do it as well you know I think if you're kind of if we look at where we are right now in the middle of covid or we just started to Mm -hmm. lift restrictions a little bit but um you know I know a lot of people have been baking because you can't get flour or anything (laughs) Um, and actually that's been I've been baking as well you know I, I love baking um when I was going through my diagnosis of cancer I, I used to get up at five in the morning bake a cake and take it on the ward with me and give it to patients or Aww. nurses or um or anybody in the neighborhood they're also for my cakes <laughs> I think by the end of it but um there's just something really deeply satisfying about baking at home it keeps you grounded um yeah so I think you know trying to cut that out something that brings you a lot of mental satisfaction um at a time like this would be too tough in a way definitely um and a lot of my clients have said the same thing you know at the moment um small pleasures are really important Um, we we can't go out and do the things that we'd normally do we can't see all of our friends and family and actually things that bring us a bit of joy at the moment are really really important 
Um, So I think it's definitely getting that balance. So it's, yeah, I'm going to do some baking, but maybe I'll, um, you know, drop some of it off to the neighbours and I'll limit how much I have. Um, so you can still get the the pleasure from the activity, yeah. Um, but but you're not <laughs> how, well, um, consuming all of the products. Smelling the house is something. Um, you know, I go back to my childhood with my grandparents. One grandma in particular used to always be baking. I used to love yeah. walking through her front door and having that really deep, homely feel to her house. You know, it's a comfort, it's, isn't it? Really it? Is. And so, and it's the same actually. You know, if you're baking. If you eat all the cakes you made, you'd be absolutely piling the weight. A bit like I am at the moment, to be fair. But uh, you know, the giving it away is as satisfying as the eating of it. I think in a lot of ways. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. So I think you've got you to can... kind of just look at different things that it can bring you, rather than just um, eating it all yourself. Yeah, hundred percent. And there's you know there's substitutes that you can make as well. Um, you know making. Um, trying out some healthier recipes and as you say it's been a bit um challenging to get flour in the supermarkets um, at the moment so there's a lot of recipes out there for um cakes with flour substitutes and um you know making some healthier yeah, so bakes as well and, you know, um, my daughter's been so she's gone up a level she's going vegan rather than just vegetarian now so i've been reading a lot of vegan cookbooks and it's quite interesting actually the different substitutes you can make mm absolutely yeah there's and there's so much choice out there now um and yeah it, it brings a new challenge to it as well so you know whilst we'll have a little bit more um time in our hands on our hands it's um so just yeah keeping a, a new challenge theme, um you know do you have a do you have your clients and do you plan for holidays and things like that not that we're all getting very many of those this year but um <laughs> You know, do you do you bother planning for a holiday, or do you just go on holiday and yeah. take the consequences and come back and pick up where you left off? Uh, so it depends on the goal, really, um, and it depends on how much of a negative consequence we think it would have. Um, so I'm a big believer in, you know, we have to have treats and we have to. Um, allow ourselves to enjoy things and I think nobody should be going on holiday with the main uh, mindset of you know worrying about um, food or um, being anxious about eating healthily because I think yeah. you know we all need our downtime and that's actually really beneficial in terms of our uh, minds and our spirits so um, for some clients we if it's not going to be particularly detrimental you know most people unless you're very lucky um, your holidays make yeah. a very very small proportion of the year um, so realistically is it going to have that bigger impact on your overall goals um, if it's not then I would say go and enjoy yourself um, I would say I tend to say to people enjoy it but don't overindulge because quite often if you've been working really hard and you've got into the mindset of eating healthily um quite often it can then bring up a lot of emotions in terms of yes. feeling guilty or feeling unwell the next day um so if you've worked really hard to cut out say really high fat foods and you go on holiday and all you eat are really high fat greasy foods um then actually that can ruin your next day if you're planning a trip out the next day and you know your stomach's all over the place that's actually going to have a negative consequence.
Uh, so, Victoria, I know that fitness is hugely important to you. And um, for some people, it's great that they've got that really solid into their daily pattern. Uh, for other people um, who struggle to get out and uh, find fitness into their daily lives, how would you advise people to kickstart that off? Because I'm super keen, having gone through this diagnosis, to see people combine their their mental health along with their nutritional health and uh, their physical well-being and it, it all plays a big part and kind of interlocks together mm-hmm. um I think it's as you say it's about finding how it can fit into your day so it can feel really daunting if you're trying to increase your activity and you say okay so I don't go to the gym at all at the moment I'm going to try and go to the gym four days a week yeah, it's too much um it just it's completely overwhelming and it doesn't fit in with how your lifestyle is at the moment so it's again it's those small incremental steps that we always talk about and it's um you know what's achievable at the moment could you um get off the bus a couple of stops early and walk the last bit to work um could you park further away um and uh you know living in oxford um, and the terrible parking and traffic situation often it's quicker to yeah, park so further out yeah. and, and walk in yeah. um so it's about starting to fit in those small bits um there's so many home workouts available now mm. um, and quite often if people are struggling for time that's a really good starting point as well because you can fit it in when it works for you in your day um, so whether that's a quick 20 minutes at lunchtime um, or whether that's in the evening or before everyone else gets up in the morning, it's about finding those little bits of the day that can be for you. Um, and then you, you'll be surprised once people start to get into it. It's amazing. Often I have clients who start and say, oh, there's no way that I can see you more than once a week. Um, I haven't got the time. And then they start getting into it and then suddenly, oh, well, actually, I could fit in um, maybe twice a week. And then they really start to enjoy it. I was going to say, it's the enjoyment factor, isn't it, that kicks in then and then you, want, you can't get enough Definitely. of it Yeah. And I think often it's quite daunting to start with, as you say. But once you start to enjoy it and see the benefits, it becomes something that you want to fit into your day rather than you're having to fit into your day. Yeah, that's right. Um, and that that's really the tipping point in terms of it becoming part of your routine and really enjoying it and reaping the benefits from it yeah fantastic so I think um that kind of wraps up our conversation and um hopefully um if we speak in the future we're not going to be in the middle of a covid situation <laughs> yeah, but, um that would be nice <laughs> it's the adapting and um you know making you being aware of what's going on in your life because if you just look at the times we're in now how different they are to to when we first spoke um Mm. how things are changing and you have to go with that flow you have to go with that change and adapt and swerve and and, absolutely I've been shielding for three months so I find that very difficult I've been been exercising at home but it's not been the same and I have put weight on uh, but I've decided to be easy on myself about it it'll come off now I'm back out again and um you know just absolutely ways you can do a little bit of extra exercise going up and down the stairs a bit more or whatever it is so you have got to go with um the changes that come in your life whatever they may be um definitely so yeah and I think not being too hard on yourself as you say I've had I've had a lot of phone calls from clients saying like oh gosh it's all gone wrong and you know and it's you know 
everything's changed for so many people um our whole lifestyles changed i think um, everything does just... feel like it's going wrong to start with until you start to find your way through and then you think okay yeah Definitely. i can make that work in this way um and when you feel the skid coming is not to panic and just think okay let's just ride with this a bit and see where we're heading um yeah you know i learned a lot of that through going through cancer of course um i and the reason I started writing 365 is because I just don't want people to have to go through a diagnosis to start to understand how to treat themselves better, really. Yeah, it's allowing yourself that headspace sometimes, it is, isn't yeah. it? And just saying, you know, OK, this is happening, but I'm, I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm still uh, here and I'm doing my best. You know, I'm showing up for myself yeah. every day in whatever way that might be. And um, Definitely. I, I started to do that um, work-wise was just to show up for myself every day and personally and then that's when the nutrition came in I thought well I can do better for myself um, I need to do a little bit better for myself to make this work um, mm-hmm. and so how can I show up every day and that's where I thought okay I do write for three six five days of breast cancer let's do the same for nutrition so that it's not too overwhelming and you know, just one little part a day is not too, you know, it's not too onerous. You can take that on, can't you? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't feel that, you know, you're you're going to struggle to do that. It feels like something that you can just slowly implement yeah. and, yeah, be heading in the right direction. Yeah. Well, that's been a really good positive conversation today. So I'm very grateful to have you on board as always. And um, I hope that things can get back to normal for us both very soon absolutely yeah. okay thanks <laughs> so been much, victoria no problem at all take Thank care you. if you like this soundbite from 365 days of nutrition.com comment on it like it or share it